Welcome to the Wisdom Journey. Stephen Davey is your teacher on this journey through all 66 books of the Bible. Stephen is taking you through the Bible in three years with a new lesson each weekday. Currently, we're in the Gospels. We're looking at the four Gospels chronologically as we explore the life of Jesus. Jesus' earthly mission was to seek and to save the lost. That's still his mission today, and we're part of it. Here's Stephen to teach you more. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church back in the 1700s, was once asked how he would spend his remaining time if he knew that tomorrow was his last day. He replied, why, I would uh, spend it just as I intend to spend it now. I would preach this evening and again at 5 tomorrow morning, and after that, I would ride to Tewksbury and preach in the afternoon and meet the societies in the evening. I would then go to Martin's house, talk and pray with the family as usual, retire to my room at 10 o'clock, commend myself to my Heavenly Father, lie down to rest, <laughs> and wake up in glory. Well, in our wisdom journey for today, Jesus is approaching uh, Jerusalem, in fact, He's approaching the end of his earthly life and ministry, and it's a profound testimony to me that he doesn't change one thing. He keeps right on with his ministry as usual, healing, saving, teaching. We're following him as he arrives now in Jericho. This is in the Jordan Valley, about 17 miles east of of Jerusalem. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us about some interesting events that occur along the way. We'll start with Luke chapter 18 and verse 35, which says, As Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. He hears Jesus passing by, cries out in verse 38, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, people here tell him to be quiet, but he continues crying out, and eventually Jesus tells his disciples to bring that fellow over to him, and Jesus then asks him here in verse 41, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man answers, Lord, let me recover my sight. Well, evidently something had happened that caused him to lose it. Now, this man has no doubt that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David, that he has the capacity or he's capable of doing what the rabbis taught that only God could do, give sight to the blind. The account continues now in verse 42. Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Now, over in Mark's gospel account at chapter 10 and verse 46, we're actually given the name of this blind beggar. His name was Bartimaeus. Matthew chapter 20 adds that there are two blind men crying out to Jesus, and Bartimaeus is evidently the spokesman for the two men. By the way, Luke says that Jesus is coming to Jericho, while Matthew and Mark write that he's He's going out of Jericho. And I need to stop here because the liberals love to jump on this kind of discrepancy. But the truth is, 
there were two Jerichos. There was the Old Testament Jericho, which was in ruins after those walls came tumbling down, and the current Jericho, just two miles south, where people lived. Evidently, Jesus was leaving the ruins of old Jericho, and I I frankly imagine he was teaching his disciples a little bit more about that amazing miracle when those walls came down. Well, now as he's approaching the new city of Jericho, these two blind men cry out for healing. Well, now the next event recorded only by Dr. Luke is familiar to many of us. We're told here that as Jesus is passing through Jericho, one of the residents is rather anxious to catch a glimpse of him, but he's having a little trouble because he was so short. You know, just about every child in church has learned the song about Zacchaeus, that wee little man who climbed up in that sycamore tree. Well, he might have been a little man, but he was a big problem in that community. He was a crook. In fact, Luke calls him here in chapter 19 and verse 2, a chief tax collector. Now, we've learned on our journey by now that tax collectors were the scum of the earth. They had collaborated with Rome. Their crooked tax schemes lined their own pockets at the expense of their fellow Jews. Well, Jesus stops underneath the limb of that sycamore tree where Zacchaeus is perched up there, and he he looks up and says to him in verse 5 here, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. You know, we're so familiar with this story that we can easily overlook the fact that Jesus knew his name, and they'd never been introduced. And let me tell you, he doesn't just know Zacchaeus' name. He knows everything about Zacchaeus' crooked life. He knows everything about this tax collector's sinful heart. Well, Zacchaeus is thrilled with this opportunity and invites Jesus to his home. Luke tells us here in verse 8 that at some point, Zacchaeus shows up on the front porch and makes this statement, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Well, this is the evidence of genuine repentance and faith in Christ. You see, the Old Testament law required full restitution, but Zacchaeus is willing to repay fourfold. I remember knowing a man who embezzled nearly a million dollars from his company. And when he was caught, I went over to his house, and he seemed to be very sorry for what he'd done. But when I talked to him about paying back what he'd stolen, he looked at me like I'd come up with some kind of crazy idea. He told me his embezzlement had been forgiven by God, and he didn't need to make any restitution. Well, let me tell you, making restitution is evidence of genuine repentance. And Zacchaeus is demonstrating that here. He's essentially going to empty his bank account to make everything right with all those people from whom he's stolen money all these years. Now, Jesus announces his own mission in life here in this wonderful text, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let me tell you, that's the reason Jesus had come to Jericho. That's the reason he had to come to Zacchaeus' house. Beloved, Jesus isn't just on a mission to save people. He's on a mission to save one lost sinner at a time. And I happen to be one of them. How about you? 
Well, now here in verse 11, Jesus begins to tell a parable about the coming kingdom. A nobleman is is going away, and he's going to be appointed king in some country. He's going to eventually return, and when he returns, many of the citizens aren't you know, going to want to acknowledge him as, as king. So before he leaves, he calls ten of his servants and gives them each a mina, which is equivalent to about three months' wages. And they're supposed to invest this money so that it grows until he returns. Well, now Jesus fast-forwards this parable to that moment when the king returns. He calls his servants in to give an account of their investments, and, and those who manage their money wisely, well, they're rewarded with even greater management opportunities. But one of these servants returns the king's mina to him and explains he's done nothing but wrap it up in a handkerchief and and bury it in the hole. He even has the audacity to to blame the king. He calls him here a severe man in verse 21. So he didn't want to risk anything. Well, the king replies in verse 23, why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. So the king takes this man's mina and gives it to the man who had most faithfully and wisely managed what he'd been given. Well, what's this parable teaching? First, Jesus' kingdom won't be established immediately. Like this nobleman, Jesus is going to go away for a little while. But he's going to return to establish his kingdom. Second, as believers await his return, they're to be faithful in managing the resources God has given to them. In light of Jesus' priority on the salvation of the lost, remember, that's his mission, well, then he would have in mind our use of his resources given to us to do what? To reach people with the gospel. And then the parable teaches us finally that those who reject King Jesus are going to suffer his righteous judgment. Well, let me ask you a question. What has God given to you? What if today was your last day? Would you change the way you're investing your spiritual gifts, your your finances, your time, your your talents? Would you have to change your calendar to give a priority to the gospel? Let's manage what God has given to us in a way that that won't bring us regret. Let's let's join the mission of Jesus. Wherever he's placed you in the traffic pattern of your life, be out there seeking. You want to bring people to Jesus so that he can save them today. Well, until our next discussion, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called today's lesson, Living Today as if it were your last day. I hope you'll do that. We want to pray for you. We have a team of people who pray for every request we receive. If you have a prayer need, visit wisdomonline.org forward slash prayer. I hope you'll visit there and share your request with us. And then join us again next time to continue this wisdom journey.